Today's show is going to go to some dark places, but before you skip this one, I really want you to hear me out here, okay? Human trafficking is really, really important for me to talk about on here, but even more than that, I want you to hear this. Our God is a God of justice and mercy, and the spectrum of justice does vary, and we do not all have to have the same role, which is why I like this conversation so much. As Naomi points out, it is not only what we do, but what we don't do that can be just as important. Let's dig in. Welcome to the Faith School Podcast. This podcast is for women of faith who are ready to be transformed from the inside out, to integrate their life in faith, and to begin a life on mission. This practical podcast is not just a list of how-tos, but it's here to prompt you to take action and adopt the kingdom way of life. Surrender to a holy God. My name is Leah, and I'm joining you in the messy middle of a surrendered faith. Come on in, take a seat. Class is now in session. To those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. And to my old faithfuls, welcome back. If you know my story, you know that I am really passionate about fighting for the freedom of those trapped in slavery or trafficking. This is my fifth year participating in December which is a fundraising fashion challenge, raising awareness and funds for anti-human trafficking. And in Canada, most of that money goes to IGM Canada. And if you have been following us for the last year, maybe you know that we interviewed Anu George. And my goodness, that is such a good episode. I would highly recommend that you go check that out. She's the director of IGM Canada. So the topic of human trafficking was really what got me interested and involved in the work of justice and the need for the church to be the most active participant in this work, guys. We have biblical truth that we can apply to justice that a lot of the world doesn't have. And so we need to be active participants. And the more I dig in, the more I discover God's heart for the lost, broken, and the vulnerable. My guest Naomi Holland shares these convictions as well, which is why she started her phenomenal jewelry company, Redeemed with Purpose, which donates all of the profits to organizations that are fighting the same fight. And by the way, her jewelry is so pretty. (laughs) I love it so much. So you can actually head to the show notes and you can get a discount code and a link to the shop. Go check out her stuff. Even if you have to pause this, I'm cool with that. She has a passion for fighting the injustice of sexual slavery and for families to play an active role in that fight. I want you to listen in on some of the really practical suggestions that she gives in both of these areas. Before we dig in, are you a put the tree up in November kind of family? We definitely are. We already have it put up. And in fact, the last few years, I've really tried to be very intentional about creating space in December by preparing for Advent in November, at least as best as I can. This year, I have created something just for you to use to help you experience less holiday stress and to make room for more of Christ during your Advent and Christmas season. It's not too late to figure out what you're going to be prioritizing and planning as you make room for more of the Savior this year. Grab a copy of our free Advent planning workbook through the link in our show notes. All right, let's head into the show with my guest, Naomi Holland. Well, welcome, Naomi, to Faith School. I'm so excited that you are here today to talk to us about your company, about the justice work that you do. And I'm, yeah, I'm just thrilled that you're here. (laughs) Thank you, Leah. I'm excited that you discovered me and I'm excited to discover you and your podcast as well. 
Oh, awesome. Okay. So first off, let's just get people introduced to who you are. So what are some of the roles in your life right now and where are you recording from? Yes. Well, I am a child of God, first and foremost, and I happen to be a pastor's wife right now. <laughs> I say that because that could Some change. Prayers, but, yeah. Um, yeah. I have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old. Um, I'm a small business owner, and I'm also a refit instructor, which is a dance oh. cardio group. So that's that's what I do for fun. Oh, wow. You're a busy lady then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. So my first question is just like, let's just get into first off your company. I, I think we maybe need to start there. What is your company? What is it all about? Just give us a taste of that. Yeah. So uh, I accidentally started Redeemed with Purpose about five years ago. Um, I had just left working for a frontline organization for 18 years. I was a uh, a fundraiser, public speaker, um, project manager for this Canadian organization. Um, I guess I could name them. It's SA Foundation. They are absolutely phenomenal. But because I live in rural Alberta, it was just getting, the travel was getting very difficult. So I Mm -hmm. left the organization, but did not want to stop speaking about the sex trade. And so I basically was looking for a platform to continue to raise awareness and funds for front lines. Mm -hmm. And so a friend of mine gave me this idea that um, we could turn old belts into cuffs and sell them like bracelets. Mm -hmm. And so basically just this light bulb went on in my head, like, We could redeem cuffs and resell them for a purpose. And so that's what we started was just redeeming old belts. And that's where the name came from. And then eventually um, we started getting into other stuff as well. But that was that was the vision just to use um, the business as a platform to raise awareness on a much bigger topic. So much more than the jewelry. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you first then get involved in advocacy with Mm -hmm. human trafficking victims and stuff like that. Did you like, what, what was kind of the root of that? Yeah. um, Simply traveling in Asia, anybody Mm. that has been to Asia uh, has seen sex trafficking, sexual exploitation firsthand. Um, I was backpacking around Southeast Asia as well as South Asia, spent some time living in Nepal and Japan. And uh, I just confronted continuously with um, the sex trade And honestly, I didn't know anything about it, which was shocking Mm -hmm. to me. And I started to dig a little bit deeper. And I was just, it's one of those life-changing moments. Um, I'll never be the same again. I could not believe that this was happening in the 21st century. And so I was determined to do something about it. I remember one specific conversation. I was with a Nepali woman that has a recovery home. And she was telling me what was happening and how thousands of Nepali girls were being trafficked every year across the border into India having no idea where they were going and mm-hmm. never to be seen again. And I was just like, just weeping, just bawling with this information. And mm-hmm. I said, like, what am I supposed to do about this? Like, I'm just this, I guess I was a university student at that time, but I'm just this mm-hmm. university student in Calgary. What am I supposed to do about this problem? And she, well, I will not forget this. This is more than 20 years ago, put a finger to my face. And she just said, you do something. Mm-hmm. And like, that's all I've been doing ever since then. It's what, um, what I'm doing has changed, but the fact that I need to do something, the fact that I can do something, those things have never left me. So mm-hmm. yeah, we can all, I, I carry her message. We can all do something and we all better be doing something because this problem isn't going away and it's only getting worse mm-hmm. mo- moment by moment. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's interesting because I think the first time that I really encountered it, I was in Asia too. I was in mm-hmm. Thailand on a mission trip. My husband and I were teaching English over there for a month and we ended up going to, I think maybe I've told the story on the podcast before, but as a refresher, we went to a missionary church and there was a couple there who had like, I think it was, you know, five or six little girls that were sitting with them on the bench and they were all obviously Thai. And someone had said, this couple has actually rescued all of these girls from sex trafficking and from sexual slavery. I mean, the oldest Naomi, I think was maybe 10 mm-hmm. and the youngest looked like she was four. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was so heartbroken leaving there and they had a special calling on their lives. They stayed in Thailand with the girls because they didn't, mm-hmm. the girls didn't have a passport to get out because they didn't have a birth, uh, birth certificate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, they had de- these, this couple had dedicated their lives to taking care of them. And I mm-hmm. just, man, just even one girl mm-hmm. at a time, mm-hmm. like how powerful uh, is that? I just, I couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah, no, I think God uses those moments to wake us up and to shake us into reality. The fact is that as uncomfortable as it can be to talk about these things, mm-hmm. it is the very least that we can do as free adults. Yeah. Th- this, These crimes are happening to the most innocent, the most vulnerable, the most trusting of all our population, children, yeah. youth at risk. And so the fact, the fact is nobody... Nobody would choose to be a sex slave. They're only there because of lack of choice or the inability to make any other choice. Mm -hmm. And so it is our responsibility to act on their behalf, to advocate on their behalf, to Mm -hmm. rescue, to intervene, to prevent, to do whatever we can to support those on the front lines that have given their lives for sure. So I I think we all have such a great responsibility and a privilege um, to serve the Lord in this way, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's make the connection then your company gives to other organizations that are on the front line. So just tell us a little bit about that. And then why was it important for you to choose the ones that you did? Right. Yeah. So um, when I started, I start. I was giving away everything that I earned, and then um, actually recently, I've also um, just reestablished the fact that I have chosen to give away 100% of my profit. So I awesome. take a minimal hourly wage, and then I give away everything else, and my, my family is is accepting of that and uh, supportive. But yeah, um, I choose a new charity every year. They have to have a good reputation. They have to be really committed to fighting the sex trade and have a reputable track record, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have just chosen IJM Canada for this year. And so I will be giving my profit to them. And so this is entering year five. So to date, we've given away over $23,000. Wow. And in some ways, I think, you know, that's not that much. Um, I used to do fundraisers that were $100,000 fundraisers. So it's really hard for me mentally to feel like this is enough. But the reality is this is kind of all I could do at this time. This is the most I could do at this time. I can't work full time. Uh, I choose not to work full time um, Mm -hmm. because I I choose to be home. But this is something I can do. And I just think like I'm such a small business. Mm -hmm. I even hesitate to call it a business because it's like this out of control hobby. (laughs) But if I can give 23,000 Mm-hmm. Imagine what other companies could give, even if they gave yeah. one to five to 10%. Like, yeah. come on, people, yeah. step up is what I want to say to other businesses because they could all give something. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I love IJM. I've had Anu, who is the director there on the show before. She is incredible. And I hear her story and it makes me want to cry every time. (laughs) Um, She's amazing. But yeah, that whole organization is just doing such incredible, important work. What about them specifically where you really drawn to in giving to IJM? Mm -hmm. Yes, um, that's a good question. I really wanted to give to an organization, um, not only that has a good track record, but Mm -hmm. is working more for systematic change. Like we definitely should be funding recovery homes and like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous that most recovery homes are full and they have to turn people away. Like that's a terrible injustice that should not be happening. And more businesses should be getting behind funding a specific recovery home. But I wanted to go something that was changing laws and that maybe over time would prevent more kids from being sexually exploited and or trafficked. Um, Mm -hmm. We are finding one specific arm of IJM Canada. I know they do a lot of work in labor and um, just different areas of slavery. But when I found out that they are working specifically, they have a branch specifically dedicated to preventing online sexual exploitation in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. That's where my heart is. And let me tell you a little bit of what is happening there and why this business has exploded. IJM worked in the Philippines for many, many years, two decades, actually, getting children out of the brothels. And we know that sex tourism was a big deal. Um, The U.S. military presence doesn't help. Like we know what they do. Many of them do on their Mm -hmm. R&R. And sex tourism has its roots in military R&R excursions. Mm. Actually, I did my honors thesis on the U.S. military. That goes way back. Don't ask me too much about it. I don't remember, but I know that (laughs) that sex tourism was rooted in that the infrastructure was created uh, for the U.S. military. And so what happened with COVID is that all these pedophiles and predators are stuck at home and they can't access the victims that they want. And this is how crude uh, of course, this it, this crime is, and so these predators were paying are are paying for abuse to happen at their command, and so they pay per view. And so mm-hmm. now the situation has escalated in the Philippines. One because their jobs have gone down; they're in poverty, even more so now, mm-hmm. and very susceptible. They also have high speed internet over there, and so predators are having terrible access to impoverished, at-risk, vulnerable people. And they are basically orchestrating abuse to happen for them. Mm -hmm. Like, cannot think of anything worse. And what a terrible, terrible way for them to be hurting and creating more victims. And now they're also creating abusers. They're creating more predators because those people that are being kind of forced to abuse, they're not going to walk away from that. It's going to become yeah. part of their their psyche, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm all for getting behind IJM to work with the nationals and yeah. to, to create systems to identify victims and, and really importantly, identify predators overseas in the comfort of their own home yeah. and hold them to account for the lies that they're destroying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm you know, talking about pornography and its harmful effects. I know that's really important to you. And I feel like this is very, very linked and it became even, even more so over COVID and all everything that we've been through in the last two years. Could you make a link between the cyber sex trafficking and pornography for us? Yeah. 
I think most of my listeners would probably know that pornography is not great, <laughs> but right. um, there probably are some people listening who, you know, might think it more casual. So could you right. just give us more of the connection there? How do, how do they affect one another? Yes. I have so many different ways to answer this question. So let me tackle it from a few different perspectives. Okay. Um, and I think it will make sense to people. First of all, we have to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about pornography. Mm -hmm. I know what you mean that many people think it's okay or that it's okay if, if adults choose to watch, it's okay. But pornography has changed over the last couple decades. And I will quote Gail Dines, who is a professor of women's studies and one of the leading experts on pornography. She's been studying this for decades mm -hmm. and uh, has really understood what it is about and how it happens and all these things. But she has said that what you can access now on the internet within just two clicks can no longer be defined as sex. So we think mm -hmm. pornography as sex. She's saying you cannot even define it as sex. What is out there, what is being filmed, what is being created and what can be accessed is torture. Mm. So we need to change our mental image of what we view as pornography. Nobody even chooses to get into pornography feeling empowered, equipped, and this is my body, I can do with what I want. Um, I should say maybe not nobody. There may be some people that get into it thinking that that's what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. It doesn't stay there. That is a false reality that is that mm -hmm. is portrayed. Most people, especially if they've been in it for more than a minute, mm -hmm. <laughs> would say that this is a violation of their human rights. They've had, in order for them to cope with what's happening. They have to be heavily sedated or mentally completely shut off, right? So they are literally, pornography has changed to now it is active abuse online. Mm -hmm. And that's why it is so dangerous because there may be some so-called soft porn or there, it may look like they, they're having a good time. It may look like um, they are there by choice, but you will never know for sure Mm -hmm. You cannot prove it. You cannot identify what's forced and what isn't forced. Yeah. Um, but there's no such thing as soft porn, by the way. Soft porn has moved into our pop culture. Mm -hmm. Pop culture is now soft porn. Mm -hmm. But let's say that somebody says, well, I'm just going to watch this stuff over here. It doesn't, there's no children involved. There's no abuse involved. Like no one's crying on the screen and stuff right. like that. Let me guarantee you, it does not end there. Your viewing will not end there. Your desire will not end there. Yeah. Your satisfaction, your curiosity will not end there. Pornography is equated to have the same brain effects as crack cocaine. Mm -hmm. It changes and rewires your brain. I don't care who you are, how old you are. It rewires your brain and it creates a desire for more. As your brain gets numb to what you're seeing, mm -hmm. you will want more and more and more. It doesn't end. Nobody starts off wanting to be a child abuser. Mm -hmm. That's not where they start. These men that are paying per view from Canada, from the US, from Europe, it didn't start there. I guarantee you, I've talked to many of these men. I've met them in prison. It started for many of them years and years back to an innocent 
incident where they stumbled upon it literally to dad's magazines, to somebody on the bus that showed him a picture. Mm. Um, It started with so-called soft stuff. And as they build a tolerance, which is how our bodies are made, they crave and need more. And that is why it is so, so, so dangerous. And that is why we have to be talking to our children and our youth. If we're going to give them a device, you better talk to them about pornography before you give them a device. And if you're not prepared to talk to them about naked bodies online, then don't give them a device. It's Mm -hmm. not fair to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's so, so important. I think that's a whole nother show that I would love to do is just going into a, you know, tech awareness and that sort of thing. And just how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect our spouse, our kids, you know, as a, as a whole family, how do we navigate that? And what are some of the different apps and stuff? That would be a whole nother, maybe I should have gone to do a whole nother episode (laughs) on that. Maybe. Let's, let's do it. It's so important. It is the topic of our time and it yeah. is the battle of our generation. Yeah. And if we are not aware, we put our kids at risk. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just as a side note for anyone that is kind of wondering a little bit more about pornography too, and, and maybe you're hearing something that makes you want to kind of look into recovery a little bit, go back to episode two of the show with Rosie McKinney. Um, with fight for love ministries. It was an awesome show. And she goes into a lot of that as well on just how do we kind of take a step back from it and get the help that we need. So yeah. So, so lots of help out there. Lots Mm -hmm. of help out there. I'm a hundred percent for anybody that wants to fight their addiction that wants to get a hold of it. If you are a child, if you are youth and you feel addicted, there's help for you. You have to talk to people. Do Mm -hmm. not carry this alone. This is not something to put in the closet. Um, There is help. Talk to somebody. Yeah. The enemy has so much more power over us when we're trying to do it all by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that, Naomi. That's all that's so helpful. And I, you know, I could recommend other episodes and stuff too, that kind of talk about different angles and stuff like this, but this is all just so, so important. And we need to keep hearing this over and over again to get this, you know, cemented in our brain a little bit more. I will keep having episodes about, about this because I believe in just how important it is that we all in the fight for this. But the reason that I believe it's so important is because I serve a God of justice and he values justice. So I want to go back to that basic idea that he is a God of justice. And so I want you to answer, why do you think our participation in justice in the the stuff that you're doing and in other organizations, why do you think our participation in justice really matters to God? The amazing thing is that God loves the predator just as much as he loves the victim being mm-hmm. abused. I mean, that's something that we cannot wrap our head around. And that's that's only God is capable of that kind of love. I mean, that's the beauty and the amazing part of it that we won't even understand. But God wants freedom for both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the predator thinks he's in charge and he's in control. And, you know, he, he has the right to do this and stuff. but I'm sure if he was, he was honest, he would realize that he's a slave 
slave to his sins, slave to his lifestyle, slave to his mm-hmm. lust and perversions. And yet that's not who God intended him to be. That is not why he was created. That is sin that he is allowed to get a foothold in his life. And I know they can be women as well. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fact is God wants that person to be free just as much as he wants the victims to be free. And so I think that if we love God, we love people, we love mm-hmm. all people. Um, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be held accountable for what they do, but we, we have to act out of love for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. All people are made in God's image. I do believe that. And I do believe he is the only true source of freedom for them. Of course, they can be freed. They can be put in, in sent to recovery home, uh, both sides. Um, Mm -hmm. There, there, there are great programs out there, years of counseling, all those things can help. But true freedom, I believe, only comes from knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that's what that's the message that that God has for everyone. And that's the message that we need to be bringing to mm-hmm. um, into our world, no matter where that is, whether it's in the brothels or these people online yeah. or, you know, people that buy jewelry from me. The fact is that, yeah, Jesus has come for all of us to set us free and he desires for us to live life to the fullness, not slaves to our sin. Mm -hmm. I think that's important to remember that the predator at one time was a vulnerable person as well. And a lot of times it's very cyclical. It's very generational. It is, unfortunately. Like I do often feel that had I been born into a different family, I I would be on a different side of this equation, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And I remember even one time in a recovery program, there was about 10 or 12 of us women sitting around and I was one of the staff and the rest were um, participants in the program. And then there were some other staff as well. And I was the only one that had not been sexually abused as a child. Oh my if I had, I would have been in their shoes because mm-hmm. how that destroys a person at such a young age that's why they're vulnerable to the further exploits of, of pimps and traffickers and mm-hmm. like, and predators. I mean, those predators can spot a victim mm-hmm. miles away. They do that all the time. They know exactly what to look for. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you grew up in a home where you were loved and you were cared for and you were given value and identity as a person, and not to say that it can happen because there there sure. are more and more cases of it happening. However, I do feel very strongly that if we are giving our kids what they need in the home, they will not go elsewhere looking for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, then that leads to the next question, which is, you know, how would you encourage us to get our, you know, get our hands dirty? Mm-hmm. Maybe we're not going to be frontline workers and some of us might be, but how can we participate in a more day-to-day and, you know, in the small things mm-hmm. in this fight in particular? Yeah. There are two ways to answer that. One is just with your family, what you need to do with your family. And the other is how you can participate globally and locally. Mm-hmm. So I'd say for globally and locally, um, definitely praying about it, asking the Lord how he can use you, where, where can you, either volunteer or give financially. Mm-hmm. The fact is that there are so many amazing frontline organizations and they're struggling financially. So in many ways, it is better to give to those already on the front lines than already doing it than yeah. for us to like run overseas and feel like we need to be the one, we need to be the one doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we don't. We, we can fund the frontliners. 
so I would say that for locally and globally. And then for ourselves personally, this is such a strong message to parents. I feel like parents, this is your time to shine. Mm-hmm. Don't do not see this as a critique or oh, I'm doing it terribly. Every day is a new day. Our kids are amazingly versatile. Um, but children need more of us. They need mm-hmm. less screen. They need to see us less on our screen. They want our full attention. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know you need a break. I know you can use the screen for a break. Yes, but yeah. don't use it consistently as a babysitter. Have a schedule, write it down, stick to it. I, if mm-hmm. you want my schedule, let me know. I have a very strict screen schedule. It is 45 minutes on Friday, 45 minutes on Saturday, nothing on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, And we set a timer every single time, every single time. Yeah. Because all screens are meant to suck you in and, um, and take you down a slippery slope. It's like that, you know, when they train the rat to push a button and mm, get a and mm-hmm. get a thing. I mean, Instagram's no different for you and I. Yeah. You know, yeah. how many le- how many red dots do we get? It does affect our brain. And so um I think the biggest thing is you having a healthy relationship with your screen. Yeah. And modeling that for our children and having specific times where you put it away, you shut it down, put mm-hmm. it in a closet, put it in your I don't know, underwear drawer, like, I don't care, mm-hmm. get it out of sight. Because yeah. the more the kids see us on it, the more they want on it. And that just increases their risk on so many levels. Mm-hmm. And that is where I mean, you think I'm being dramatic, go sit in on a chat with pedophiles, where do they yeah. hang out? They hang out where the kids hang out, mm-hmm. which is online on games on Instagram, on Twitter, TikTok, a uh, Snapchat, they're there. There, you guys, yeah. they are, they are there making friends. And I even saw one article that said it takes eight days, eight days for a predator to win the trust of your child to get them to a point where they start sending them inappropriate pictures. That's a study. That's crazy. Eight That's days. Crazy. So yeah. where are the parents? What are they doing? How are they missing this? These mm-hmm. eight days of conversation. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, this is a bit of a wake up call, parents. Mm-hmm. And you may not like hearing it from me, but I'd rather you be upset at me than you have to find a support program for your child in five years because they're addicted. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember. Maybe even you shared this on Instagram. I can't remember, but said something like it only takes nine minutes, I think, for with each child a day for them to feel connected to you. Yes. Just like, you know, are we, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I'm doing that. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually so encouraging because sometimes I think we really do feel hopeless and we feel like, Oh, we've blown this. Like we've messed this up. Yeah. And the fact is like, we, we still have a chance we can salvage this. I just, I find our God is so good. How we made our kids like no matter Mm. how bad we had or how, how much we blew it up. Like the next day is new and it's fresh and we can start again. And you know what? Like if if you need if you have an established proper screen times for your kids, 
Mm-hmm. It's never too late to start and you can start slowly and they do not have to like it. Parents. It's yeah. okay. If they don't <laughs> like it, you, yeah. you know what? They don't like eating vegetables either. And we do it because we love them. Mm-hmm. I told mm-hmm. my 13 year old, you will be the last one in your class to get a phone because I love you that much. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I taught junior high. So, Mm. I mean, I know how much those kids are on there. It's crazy. It's crazy. And even at my school, I was at a great school and they, they would let them on while they ate their lunch. And then after that, it was the rest of the lunch hour that they couldn't be on their phone. And it was awesome because Mm. they were actually playing games in the field. Like this is junior high kids who are playing, you know, uh, flag football and they were playing on the playground together and and talking and playing. Like it it was crazy. So they do have the ability to do it. It's just a matter of pushing them in the right direction. It is. And I find even sometimes, yeah, it's so much easier for me to say like, oh, sure. Just go ahead and watch something else. And I've had to stop myself from saying that or even offering it, especially on a cold day. If they don't have school, it's so easy to be like, oh, sure. It's a cold day. But there's been times where I've stopped myself and I haven't given them that option. And I sit back and watch and you'd be amazed at what you what they're doing, digging into their closet, finding an old toy. Um, Yeah, yeah. Like yesterday I pulled out an old like 500 piece puzzle. I knew I didn't really want to do it myself, but I just started it. And then the rest of the day, like they had to finish it. And like, just, <laughs> you know, those little things, like, I think it can't be our go-to our number one go-to mm-hmm. there. There are so many other ways and kids are beautifully creative if given the chance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, I want to go into a bit more of the social enterprise part of your, of your business, because that's another way that people can help. And so I would like you to kind of even maybe someone's ever heard that term before. Can you explain what that means, what a social enterprise is, and then why did you choose to do it this way and how, how does that work for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's an extension of my faith for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not interested in selling jewelry. I'm not interested in making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I am interested in um, walking in obedience to to Christ who calls us to live justly and love mercy. and so. This is my expression of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the social enterprise specifically refers to businesses that put people over profit. Mm-hmm. And so it is not about the bottom line. It is about caring for your workers, um, caring for making sure they have a, a fair working environment, a safe working environment, their value, their love, they want to come to work. Um, you know, you think about child care, you think mm-hmm. about the chair they're sitting in and like you just care for your workers, which is actually more sustainable in the long run than forcing them into slavery like conditions. Yeah. So many more, many more businesses, I think, need to look at their social aspect and are they caring for their workers? Would they want their daughter working in those working conditions? Mm-hmm. And if not, then why not? And why is it okay for someone else's daughter? Is it okay because she's a darker color or because mm-hmm. she doesn't speak English? You mm-hmm. know, like, I mean, it's just so basic, like, you know, yeah. in terms of the Christian faith, treat others the way you want to love others as you love yourself, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so that's a social enterprise. Yeah. And part of that is the giving, like being able to give some of your funds to good causes and stuff like that, right? Is that part of Yeah, that 
that's been my choice for sure. They're not all social enterprises right, have right. that. Um, I'm sure many do, but most are, you know, 1%, 5%. I'm shocked, honestly, when companies say we give back 1%. It just seems like so little to me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's millions of dollars, but still, it's one, no one misses 1%. Um, I believe in sacrificial living and sacrificial giving. And mm, I love that. We live minimally. We live simply. Yeah, there's things I would, I would love to do. I, I would love to you know, go on vacation. I would love to renovate the house. There's so many things I would like to do. We choose not to do them mm-hmm. um, so that we can give more. And so mm. we don't make a lot. My husband's on a, a small rural pastor's salary. Right. My kids do not have a lot of stuff. And we choose to teach them that we don't have to live with a lot. Like we can, God has given us everything we need. We have more than enough, Um, Mm -hmm. but there's just so many people around the world that are, that could have been hungry, that are, you know, living in fear that are facing, um, you know, the kids are dying in front of them. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely overwhelming. The needs and hurts in the world right now seem so, so big. Um, But of course, I think, when you've lived in a developing country, like I did live in Nepal for several years, right. those, those images never leave you. Yeah. Um, and the recognition that as Canadians, we are just so privileged mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. it is a responsibility to help those that we're not privileged enough to, to be born into this country. And so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, it doesn't mean I don't want to make money. I want to make a ton of money because <laughs> then I could give so much more back. So, right. yeah. Yeah. So I love that you took something that, you know, you said that jewelry maybe isn't like your passion necessarily, but it's something, you know, it is a talent that God has given you. And so I would love if we would just go into how would you encourage someone to use their own unique talents in the work of justice, like practically what do you think this could look like? Right. Yeah. Um, it has to be something you love for mm-hmm. sure. And it can be different for everybody. And it doesn't have to always be this big, huge scale. You don't have to go start a Shopify store. That's right. That's you don't right. have to, you know, sell your car. What can you do? <laughs> what are you doing already? What do you mm-hmm. love to do? What are your gifting? Um, funny enough for me, my gifting wasn't jewelry. I When I started, I had no idea what I was doing. It was mm-hmm. so overwhelming. It, oh, it was just so painful. And the early products that I produced were just so awful. <laughs> it's really a miracle that they sold, but I'm passionate about speaking. And so mm. again, God is just using, using these other areas um, That's right. to allow me to speak. But the amazing thing is too, is he's so good at multiplying, right? So you take mm-hmm. your two fish and five loaves and mm-hmm. take it to him like, God, I'm not very good at this. This is all I've got. What can you do? So right. I think going to prayer is first and foremost, for sure. But you know, if you're a kid and you want to collect bottles for a year and then donate yeah. the money, you can do that, right? If you are a business owner, I challenge you to consider what percentage can you give back to what cause, to what charity, make a commitment, make it public, get it in your books, um, you know, but make, make a commitment. If mm-hmm. you don't, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then years have passed and you haven't done anything. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Even tithing tithing 10%, make sure you're doing that. Right. I, there's so many ways we can be giving back for sure. Contacting frontline organizations, finding out what their needs are. Maybe it's just 
prayer, but like committed time, maybe you pull together a prayer group. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Mm -hmm. just the sky's the limit. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because it, we talk a lot about like personal ministries here. Like this is, it's kind of one of our values and something that we really wanted to teach and talk on. But we say like, it's not that you have to go and start a business. It's not that you have to start a nonprofit necessarily. Look at what is some one small thing that you can commit to that could make a difference for the kingdom of God. Yeah. So we've used all sorts of examples, but mm-hmm. you know, in, in this case, maybe you're just committed to that's one thing that you talk about on Instagram about is just yeah. sharing the information or, yeah. or like you said, just getting bottles and being able to donate them. You know, like there's yeah. so many just small things that we could commit to that could make a big difference in the long run. Yeah. So many small things. And I think, you know, just to go back to pornography again, mm-hmm. that is our not clicking, not consuming, not viewing is our greatest contribution to the fight against sexual slavery yeah. and making sure that those we love are also not part of the problem. That's right. And, you know, so that means having hard conversations. That means having regular conversations. Mm-hmm. That means, you know, like with your husband, with your, the men in your life, like, That's right. I mean, when somebody at the office says something and others, other people laugh, it's like, Mm, yeah. no, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, do you think those women choose to be raped like that? Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, like I, we have to be countercultural. Yeah. So those things I think are really important. And for stay at home moms or dads too, especially with little ones, I want to tell you that is your ministry right there. Don't worry for, for the first five years of their lives, your child, those first five years, that bonding, that connection, that time together, uninterrupted time together, that is your ministry. But um, putting your phone down and going for a walk with your child is more important in the long run. That's just going to build, you can build on that in the future so that when it comes time for those hard conversations in their teen years, preteen years, well, Mm -hmm. even younger and younger now, Mm -hmm. you have a relationship there and they're willing to hear from you because they love you and they trust you and because you've always been there for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can look very different depending on the stage of life that we're in. And mm-hmm. grandparents, if you're listening, don't think that your role is over either. So many kids need a, a loving elderly person to talk to. And maybe their parents are too busy, too distracted. Mm-hmm. And so they need a safe place to go and talk. And you can ask some questions. You can use your age to your advantage tell me about this ticky talky thing you're doing. Like <laughs> ask them those questions, play dumb, get them talking. And there are some great resources um, that we'll list at the end to kind of help you with those conversations. Like, mm-hmm. is there anything uncomfortable that you've seen recently? What did you do about it? Or have mm-hmm. you ever been, like, this is when you're much more intimate in the conversation, but Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever sent you anything inappropriate? Have they ever mm-hmm. asked you for anything inappropriate? Those are eventually where the conversations need to go. Right, right. Being a safe place for them to land. Yes, yes. Yeah. One of the most disturbing books I've ever read, but I will never forget the message of this book. It's called Conversations with a Pedophile. And mm. it was such a hard read. Honestly, it took me two years. I just felt sick reading it. Uh, you know, I had to hide it from the family and stuff like that. But He's in jail for life. He will never be out. Um, thousands of uh, victims um, mm. from that one person. And the psychologist wanted to understand his brain, understand the way he thinks. 
And she asked him, like, what is the number one tool that you use, the number one way that you got your victims to to that point of trust they they trusted him parents trusted him parents, yeah. so many parents dropped their kids off with him oh yeah no problem camping like unbelievable it's like you want to shake the parents like where were you how did you trust this person so much one tool one word he used for all his victims his most powerful weapon and he said it was listening Mm, wow. How upsetting, disturbing, and yet easy is that? Yeah. Wow. We need to remember that as parents. Mm-hmm. Do we listen to our kids? Yeah. If we don't, someone else will. That's right. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Oof. All right. Well, it's going to be a hard left turn here, but um... <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, I really want to know what you've learned about God through your business mm-hmm. and through mm-hmm. participating in justice, because there's, when we start to engage all parts of God, all sides of God, we get to see him in a much fuller way. And so I want to know, like, from, from your perspective, what have you learned about him through all this? Um, yeah, it's definitely been a hard uh, learning journey and lots of frustration too. Mm -hmm. I'm learning that God's ways are not my ways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like so many times, I think when you work with this kind of injustice on a regular basis, you're just like begging for God, like, what, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing more? Why are you intervening? Why are the good guys struggling? Like they can't even pay enough staff. And and then the sex trade is in a multi-billion dollar industry. Like you just faced with so much injustice and like so much doesn't make sense, right? Like, God, why didn't you stop that abuse? Why didn't you intervene? Why? Like so many questions. Why, 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 why? And it's really easy to get jaded. And I'm sure many have lost their faith who Mm -hmm. are involved in this line of work, right? Which is how the enemy wins. Yeah. And so I think that's the greatest struggle is just choosing to trust, choosing to trust like mm-hmm. God is good. Like all the, there's just so many words and so many verses in the Bible just affirming God's character and who he is and that he is yeah. for us and um you know nothing happens without his authority and there's nothing that he can't turn around for his glory as well and That's like right. i think just being rooted in scripture is so important for all of us no matter what we're going through but certainly um any of us that are heavily involved in injustice um we have to stay rooted in the lord mm-hmm. and so like even with my business, it hasn't thrived, it hasn't taken off. Like it's doing well, I think, but mm-hmm. it depends on the week. But it's like, well, God, why not? Well, why, why aren't I selling like crazy so mm-hmm. that I could send more money? Like, you know, there's yeah. just so many unanswered questions and yet learning to trust. Like, yeah, I just have to trust that God will not do things our way. Um, actually, recently I listened to this amazing um, interview with Gary Haugen. It's called The Podcast Was Justice and the Inner Life. Mm. And this is very, very, I needed to hear this. And, and maybe some of you do too as well. So here's this man leading this like $80 million um, organization, the biggest anti-trafficking organization in the world. And he Mm -hmm. felt for the first several years, it was all about Gary, right? What could Gary do? How much funds could Gary 
raise? Um, you know, how many speaking engagements can Gary get? How many right. kids can Gary rescue? Like he was just like, go, 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 go. And he would have burned out had God not intervened and reminded Gary that God doesn't need him. Yeah. Just like God mm-hmm. doesn't need me. He's mm-hmm. allowing me to journey with him, mm-hmm. but he doesn't need me. And the journey with God is what is going to give me peace and joy. And he's kind enough to give me purpose, which mm-hmm. I need. I, I, I like purpose. But just the realization that God just wants to walk with all of us. Yeah. And yeah, if we if he gives us a cause, that's great. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't need us. Yeah, that's right. And so are we willing to just walk and, and learn from God in this journey? Yeah. Yeah, the spiritual transformation that comes mm. with partnering with him. We've talked a lot about that on the show too. Just how how do we let Jesus be Jesus? And what is our little, little role that we get to get to have? That's such a good reminder. That's so powerful. Yeah. And especially from someone like him who leads IJM, you know, oh, yeah. huge yeah. organization. Yeah. That's amazing work. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's crazy. He said two other crazy things. This is all of IJM half hour before they start their day, eight 30 to nine. They're all paid to sit in silence, waiting on the Lord, what he's going to do before their day. Like, can you imagine? I was uh, like, when Gary said that, I'm like, okay, if he can wait half hour to check his email, surely I can too. And then they do a second prayer time in the day from 11 to 1130. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, can you imagine? Like, that seems so unproductive to me, but I think that's why. and, And this is why they'll say why they're so successful Mm-hmm. Because they wait on the Lord. Yeah. I'm like, wow, ah, that's mind boggling. Oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent. That's <laughs> such a, that's such a good word for me in this season right now. I got to say, <laughs> I just started a new ministry job. I'm like, I got to get stuff done, but nope. yes, wait on the Lord. Wait. On yes. The Lord. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to that episode and it will put things back into perspective. I really needed to hear that, especially those of us on the front line or in any kind of ministry, we just want to do, 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 do. And then we will burn out. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's so good. Well, we'll make sure that we link all of that first, before we get into our concluding questions, just thank you so much for being on here, Naomi. I just really appreciate your voice in this. I love your jewelry. I just ordered some, so I'm going to be putting it on yes. before this episode even airs. So I'm very excited about yes. that. And um, yeah, I'm just really, really honored that you made the time to come on and talk to us here. Thank you. All right. So we are going to conclude with just a few questions that we like to ask everybody. And the first is, what are some resources that you would recommend to us about this topic? Although you've given us lots that we can uh, put in the show notes, but is there anything else that you would want to tell us about? Yeah. So protectyoungeyes.com is great, great on Instagram. Um, That's a great one. They have a specific area where they have um, kind of written a review on all these different apps. So I send parents to that all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, kids want this app, that app, go do the research first. So I love protect young eyes. Um, The other one really good, especially for tweens and teens, for parents first to go look at is fight Mm -hmm. the new drug Mm -hmm. really powerful stuff there. And some, they really look at it from a brain perspective, how um, pornography changes and rewires the brain. So that's a good one for parents and, and schools too. I really wish schools stepped up a little bit more in this conversation. Oh, a hundred (laughs) percent. Oh my goodness. If you want to do something, go talk to the principal of the school and like 
trying yeah. to get some some information. Oh, I know it's such a such a tough one. Like they'll talk about anything and everything else, but it's like they don't want to touch this one. And yet all their kids have devices, mm-hmm. like full internet access. Yeah, it's yeah. very concerning. Definitely a prayer point there is for our school system. Absolutely. And people need to realize too that like the average age of these girls that are being pulled in, it's like 11 to 13. Is that, is that correct? Yes. It's crazy. That's so young. And the average age that children are stumbling upon pornography is six to 11 years old. It's crazy. So like the protect young eyes says, unless you're willing to talk to your kids about pornography and use that word pornography, do not give them a device because it is only a matter of time that they will stumble upon something. And if you haven't prepared them to know how to respond when they see a naked body, then it's natural for them to look and it's natural for them to be curious. It's natural them to have a brain chemical dopamine reaction. That's natural. It's not their fault. They'll happen to any of us. And so really have to prepare our kids for the moment they see it to slam it down, look away, walk away, shut it down. I tell my kids this all the time, no matter where you are on the bus, wherever, walk away, look away, the quicker, the better. And so just as we are teaching our kids about how to cross the street safely or fire safety, um, we have to address internet safety as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember when Rosie was on and she said, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And so how are you going to walk with them through that. Yeah. Yes. All right. Second question is what is a spiritual practice or discipline that has been really life-giving to you right now? Mm-hmm. I've been trying, <laughs> I've been trying to go to bed early. That's the key, right? Mm. Go to bed early, wake up early. And, yeah. you know, I purposely have my phone in a different room. It's not in my bedroom. And then spending time with the Lord, trying to get, I try to get half hour to an hour which Mm -hmm. is earlier now that the kids are going to school. So that's really hard, but yeah, really trying to do that. And then taking this half hour of silence before I start work, that's Mm -hmm. really a challenge for me. And um, as it would be for all of us. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I know it will be life-giving. So I'm just kind of a new at that one, but definitely trying to have that morning quiet time. I know that it's critical and I've been trying to be really consistent with that for the over a year or so, but I Mm -hmm. think that's important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. I love my time in the morning too. It's so life-giving. Mm, yeah. um, all right. Number three, if you could assign one piece of homework to my listeners, what would it be? Yes. Choose changecanada.org. This is a campaign put on by Defend Dignity, who you've mm-hmm. had on before. Yeah. And uh, in two clicks, you can message the executive directors or whoever, the owners of Visa, MasterCard, TELUS, Clique Hotels, Etsy, and Instagram. Um, and basically, you are pressing them to make hardcore pornography more difficult to access in and through their services. Mm-hmm. And so like literally in two clicks, they've already written the letter for you. All you have to do is put in your name and email. Mm-hmm. It's so simple and so amazing. So yeah, I would definitely ask everyone to go and do that. Cause really, you know, silent benefactors in the whole sex trade industry, including pornography have been these kind of middle men. Yeah. I want to call them credit card companies, uh, internet providers, even hotels with their porn channels. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and now social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat's full of not just 
pornography, sexual abuse, but child sexual abuse material. And so we need to really be holding these companies to the fire because they have a huge role to play and, Mm -hmm. and also a great deal of power to protecting our kids more. Totally. Super exciting to see some pressure applied to Facebook recently. I'm totally cheering on. That's Mrs. Haugen. I don't know. I forget her first name, but Mm -hmm. the whistleblower, like, wow, good for her. Right. All right. But what about Etsy, isn't that a place just for, yeah. for crafts? Yes. <laughs> I have a, a little whole, bit about that. I have a whole podcast on Etsy on my on my website oh, somewhere. because wow. uh, I left them. I left them very publicly. Yeah. Um I came to learn that they sell merchandise that promotes incest. And I even stumbled upon it myself. I was looking for wrapping oh paper and I found some very, very inappropriate material. And I've learned since that they haven't taken it down. There's even worse stuff on there. Oh but let, Amazon is no different. So don't let them get off the hook. There are many of these companies that do not monitor what's being sold on their site. But mm-hmm. Etsy particularly, there's a petition with over 40, I think now it must be 43,000 signatures asking them to remove this content and even report the producers and they have remained completely silent. They haven't acknowledged any emails and there's been many um, frontline organizations, including defend dignity going after them, just asking them to remove it. Like they are, they are terrible merchandise, terrible. I don't understand why the police don't just look on those accounts and go right after those people because it is literally openly advocating uh, incest and child oh my abuse, gosh. Oh my right? Goodness. Like yeah. pull them off, report them. And so as soon as I found out Etsy is involved and by being complicit, they are involved. I was off and yeah. out of there so fast. I did a lot of research and found the company with the highest standard for protecting children through their platform is Shopify. Oh, well, good. Yeah. Good to know. Awesome. Yeah. So I switched right away. Oh, and those, yeah. it's those decisions, right? It's those it small is. decisions that make a difference. It is. It yeah. is. And if every consumer boycotted Etsy, yeah, that speaks volumes. And it's hard because, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff on there. Like I yeah. do have to still buy a lot of my material on there. I've tried to approach my suppliers to buy directly, but they're like, nah, they're all set up on Etsy. So, um, you know, it'll take, a, it'll take a while for the ship to turn. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anything else that you would like to kind of share with us or just to to wrap this up with Naomi, is there anything that comes to mind? I think for all of us, it is so easy to focus on the problem and we will get overwhelmed. We will burn out. We will be depressed. We will be full of hate and anger as well. And uh, so we really have to focus on two things. We have to focus on our walk with the Lord. We have to do this on his strength. It is through his power, through his love for others that we Mm -hmm. need to be rooted in. Um, Otherwise we will burn out. Um, And the second thing is too focusing on the solution. What is the solution that you can do at this stage of your life? And remember this chapters of life. So I wasn't always in this chapter and and neither will you be. So Yeah. yeah. What is the chapter that you're in? What is it that you can do? Focus on that do it well, put all the other stuff um, on the shelf. Yeah, we we just really have to find that balance. And um, it starts with our quiet time with the Lord, really. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, we can trust him. He is in control. He knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. He is aware and there's nothing that he um, 
that he allows that he can't use for his glory, even if we don't yeah. understand. And so, yeah, just walk closely with the Lord, my friends. <laughs> That's the only answer in the end. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, thank you so, so much for being on here. I am very excited for people to hear this conversation because I think there's, you had so many practical things in here and I just, yeah, my prayer is for everybody too, as well, just to just, it's one small thing. It's just looking at what's one small way that you can participate in the work of justice. Um, and like you said, it just, it's going to depend on what season of life that you're in, but keep praying, keep praying for our frontline people. Keep praying for people like Naomi who are also very much involved and yeah, just thank you. Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Naomi, so much for coming onto the show to talk about this extremely important issue. It is just so important to me that we keep having this conversation on here and that we keep you guys updated on how you can be a part of it, how you can help. And if you're ready to order some jewelry for yourself or for a loved one, I want you to hedge the link in our show notes and use my discount code, Leah R, for 15% off your purchase. I promise you it is 100% worth it. Next episode, we have two of my favorite people on the show, Larry and Marby Jansen. This pair, they're my real life friends who have taught me just so much about evangelism and sharing about the Lord. One of the things I love about this show is that we get to introduce you to people that you probably have never heard of. And they have so much to offer because they're like boots on the ground kind of people who are doing the work. My friends are yet just another example of these kinds of guests. I just love bringing on and sharing with you. They don't have a big platform and they don't really want one, but you're just going to love hearing from them. It's one of my favorite episodes and I'm just so thrilled that we get to share this with you in two weeks. If you want to catch me on the socials, you can find me at at leah.rempel or at faithschoolpod on Instagram or in our Facebook group, Faith School. I'm happy to continue serving you on those platforms. Thank you for spending a little time with us today at Faith School and I-68 Ministries. We're praying that you feel fully surrendered today to the God who made you, loves you, and wants to partner with you. Class is now dismissed. Go out there and reveal his kingdom.